dare somebody to take about 60 more seconds and give God a praise in this place like it's already done. Come on, tell your neighbor, excuse me a moment. I've got to give him praise. Give me a little room in the building because I've got to give him praise. Come on, somebody give him a shout of praise. in this place. Are you ready for the word of the Lord in this sanctuary tonight? As we remain in this posture of expectation tonight, I am excited to bring back to this desk no stranger to this conference, a great man who is a premier voice in the apostolic movement today. Pastor Joel Buxton has been anointed powerfully by God as an end-time powerhouse to disrupt the enemy's strategies. We're grateful to have him back here at Impact 2022. And I hope somebody came ready to receive the word of the Lord in this house tonight. Are you ready? If you're ready, would you clap your hands one more time and give God a big praise? as he comes to deliver the word of the Lord in this house. Come on, Pastor Buxton, preach the word. Somebody lift your voice in the tabernacle. I need every hand to slip up as high as you can reach it. I want you to lift your voice with those hands and begin to talk to him. I need the apostolics to begin to pray. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, lift your voice with authority. 
If you've got the Holy Ghost, I need you to begin to pray. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, the anointing would come into the tabernacle, but we must lift our voice and pray. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, let's pray a little bit in the house. Some things come about only by prayer and fasting. Hallelujah. I need some saints that know how to pray to lift their voice. God, we love you. We praise you. Everybody said in Jesus' name. Remain standing. It is a signal honor to be in the house of the Lord. I count it no small thing to stand here again. My father always taught me that it was one thing to be invited one time, but it was a God thing to be invited the second time. I am grateful to be standing alongside a child, friend from my childhood, as this apostolic message does not merely walk, but as it cascades into this dark end time hour with prevailing power, authority, and a name that's above every other name. I have no sad stories to give you tonight. I do not come with a message of fear tonight, but I come to you from the city set on a hill that cannot be hid. For that, I am thankful for the great honor to be here. I do want to thank the angel of this city and First Lady Williams. Why don't we give them a great big hand clap. I love them from the depths of my heart. Come on, let's really give them a hand. Thank God for the angel of the city, a shepherd after the heart of God. Amen. And then to join as fellow running mates this week with Pastor Wesley Jackson and Evangelist Cornelius Williams, I give honor to these mighty men of God. I really do. And they are my running mates along with the other men of God in this house. I love and honor them. Also, my sweet wife. I love her so very much. 23 years of marital bliss. I'm glad it's not marital stress, but it's marital bliss. Started dating her when I was 17. Got married when I was 20. I'm 43. I've been young, and now I'm older. And she's still mighty fine. She's still mighty fine. I love her. And my two sons that are unmarried, looking, not ready to be, but looking, Ethan Connor Buxton and Seth Joel Buxton in the house, my eldest Thane at home, brother-in-law, brother Mark Brizuela, love my family, amen. Brother, Sister Gallardo, wave your hand right here. This is ministry in our church. Let's give them a hand. For were it not for them, Hilltop would not be what it is. I say that sincerely. I thank them through the years for standing in the gap. In God's providence, he knew who to place and where to put them. And I love them. And all the saints of God at home at Hilltop that are praying. I got a message today. There was a group of the young people praying around my chair. And I know that doesn't mean a whole lot to you, but it means a lot to me. Thank God for an incredible church back home in San Diego, California. Great leadership. God bless the people. And everybody here, God bless you. Good to be with my friends. 
I do want to get into the word of the Lord tonight. I'm here tonight with a great burden, a good burden, but I come tonight with more than a message, more than a sermon. I pray much more, but rather an assignment from the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, an assignment from him to accomplish. So tonight we will slip from the carnal chronological order of men and women, the frailty of humanity and its conferences, into a chirological moment where heaven is going to do more than visit this earth, but it is going to minister this tabernacle and prepare us for what God is going to do in us the rest of this week. How many is ready to go to another level? Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost here. My mercy, the Holy Ghost is here. Luke 23, verse 1. Luke 23. And the whole multitude of them arose and led him, Jesus, unto Pilate. They began to accuse him, saying, We found this fellow perverting the nation, forbidding to give tribute to Caesar, saying that he himself is Christ the King. And Pilate asked him, saying, Art thou the king of the Jews? And he, Jesus, answered him and said, Thou sayest it. Verse 4, Then said Pilate to the chief priests of the people, Find no fault in this man. And they were the more fierce, saying, He stirreth up the people, teaching throughout all Jewry, beginning from Galilee to, to this place. Now when Pilate heard of Galilee, he asked whether the man were a Galilean. And as soon as he knew that he belonged under Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him to Herod, who himself also was at Jerusalem at that time. And when Herod saw Jesus, he was exceeding glad. I would even go so far as to tell you that he had faith in Jesus. He had expectation. And I would venture to say Somewhere he had a previous experience that would promote such feelings. But the scripture declares he was desirous to see him of a long time or season. Because he had heard many things of him and he had hoped to have seen some miracle done by him. Then he, Herod, questioned with him, Jesus, in many words. But he, Jesus, answered him Nothing. Everybody say nothing. And the chief priests and scribes stood and vehemently accused him. And Herod with his men of war set him at naught and mocked him, arrayed him in a gorgeous robe and sent him again to Pilate. And the same day Pilate and Herod were made friends together for before they were at enmity between themselves. Finishing in Romans chapter 10 verse 13, as you're turning, it is tragic frankly chilling in this day and age that we live in to see the alliances, pacts, yea, friendships that are restored when rebellion comes. It is amazing to me to watch people I've known for many years going back to things that they once worshipped about being delivered from. For they were an enmity between themselves, but they found something 
to find agreement and they became friends. Romans 10, verse 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Earlier this year, in anticipation, and through the last couple of months, even the last few weeks, a week ago I was on a little island in the Philippines, and I began to pray with burden again. It would not escape me the word that God has placed in my heart. This is an old altar in my life, an old place that I haven't visited in many years. And by the providence of God, and I believe directly in his will, I want to preach tonight on this simple thought, the night that the preacher died. If you could put your Bibles down and lift your hands and help me pray. He's already here. God, open our hearts, our minds, and our spirits. There is a divine chirological work that has to be accomplished tonight. I am reminded that it's not by might and it's not by power. Oh, holy God. But it's by your spirit. I'm praying right now, Jesus, that talent would leave the room and ability would leave the room and an old time Pentecost and old time prayer would come into this house right now. Yes, somebody pray with the preacher right now. I feel you, God. Woo! Somebody let loose. Mm. I feel what I felt in the prayer room today. Somebody slip that hand up and call, call on the name. Yeah. Somebody call on his name. Mm, thank you, Jesus. God bless you. You may be seated in Jesus' name. Nothing is taking a battering today like true, authentic, apostolic ministry. I do not come from a posture that is defensive, but I do come to you as a realist of what is happening in our day and age. I've been raised in Pentecost, not that that means anything or it allows me anything. It is just a optic. Many, many years of watching the enemy slowly but surely begin his attempt to water down authentic apostolic preaching and teaching and as our world scrambles with the volume to blast to perpetuate its voice into the destiny and future of young men and young women, moms and dads and even churches, I am burdened tonight about whose voice I'm listening to and whose voice has preeminence in my life. As I've watched people, powerful people, the Bible will record that even the mighty have watched them bite the dust and emerge from the crash only to vomit vehemently the bitterness of years gone by. And it causes me to pray. The voice in my life, the voice that has been the constant, has not been this world. It has not been the culture, it has not even been the seasons 
of my own life, but it is the surety of the unadulterated word of God that is the chief cornerstone that is my rock and is my foundation that I can build my life upon. There, there is voices that want to punish the preacher and tell the man of God to change his motives and the way he presents the word. But it is that voice through the years pleading with a sweated out suit and face red from exertion that has allowed me by reason of mercy to find a place in the altar where God could forgive me of my sins. The voice is in the house tonight and it is pleading with men and women of God. I believe today again the Holy Ghost spoke and boomed into my spirit of God's frantic measure to get a hold of a church that is caught in the currents of this world today. The, conse the consequences of people's conscience that is seared today is not seasonal, but it has the possibility to be eternal. I'm meeting more and more people that have no feeling. Stay with me tonight. Nothing shocks them. They are okay with zero anointing. It does not even alarm them anymore. The lost world outside of our air-conditioned buildings and blessed little lives does not even exist because the preacher has lost the pulpit and lost his voice. I would join today and say it. So goes the pulpit and so goes the world. I want to preach in defense of an apostolic preacher tonight because it's the voice of the man of God that has brought me to this place tonight. It is the voice of a man that went beyond the veil. I'm not talking about influencers and, and commentaries. I, I'm not preaching about talents and iconic people, but I'm preaching to you about men that their clothes smell of oil may be seated. Why are people so cold in Pentecost? It's because the voice of a true preacher has been silenced. Church, I have to have the voice of God. I must have the ability within myself to walk in every service and hear with perfect clarity, thus saith the word of the Lord. If you look at the morals today, the filth of, of, the, of the lifestyles of people, the lack of honesty. In fact, last night, Pastor and I were at the hotel and, and, and the lady working behind the desk was trying to reason with the culture of today. Integrity is a lost word and, and truthfulness and, and, and people being transparent and, and consistent. Stay with me tonight. America has lost her way where ministry is mocked and preachers that preach the truth are made fun of and they are put into a little marginal box called radical. 
oh, let the preacher live tonight. But I'm not thinking of the world tonight. I want to preach to this church and to this conference. I want to preach to my family and my children and my beautiful church. Are we listening to the word of God? Or have we mastered the art of walking into his presence and never hearing a word? may be seated. I wonder when your pastor stands behind his sacred desk fighting for your soul, fighting for your marriage, fighting for your ministry. Does his voice have entrance and does it have permission? I feel like the Holy Ghost is replete in speaking into my spirit. There has to be a healing in the apostolic church of our receptivity to the preached word of God that comes through our man of God. I don't get my hope from the world. I don't get my hope from some comment. I'm going to be replete tonight. I, I almost slipped when I saw the prosperity of a dark world. But when I got back to church and pastor began to preach, I felt something. I got something. I heard something that changed me. May be seated. The church has to hear his voice amongst all the noise. I live in Southern California. I, I, I'm not very competitive. I just hate losing. And I read on the news the other day, Brother Clack, that Nancy Pelosi's pastor, God bless that Catholic priest, kicked her out of church. Because he told her, you, you can't abort babies and come for communion. I will not be outpastored by a priest. Pastor, you better not say, long live the preacher. I want to talk to the apostolic church here today. How come the world has got more guts than the people of the name? Maybe see I got to get there tonight. Kicked her out of church, but we can't even pastor your son. That's all right. I'm preaching way better than you shouting, but we're going to shout in a little bit. How come the ESPN commentators and, and the people going to Grammys got custom suits and, and, and they're dialed in and they're suited and booted? Stay with me here tonight. And, and the guy in the middle of the ring uh, where men come into combat is dressed in a tux. And, and, and even now in, in the interviews for draftees, uh, now, now the, the hood, the thugs uh, from the hood are wearing custom suits uh, and they're dressing up and the world's trying to get the church to dress down. I will not let the Grammys outdress me at church. How you do it? We don't wear jeans to church. We wear a suit and tie. Why? Because there was a preacher that said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us come. Come on. Come on. It don't have to be custom, but you got to know how to rock a $2 suit that the goodwill could. Some of y'all don't even know what I'm preaching about. But somewhere, you have to make a declarative. I'm going to the house of God. I'm getting my miracle, and I'm leaving change. Maybe seated. 
I will not be outshouted by the world. I will not be outdressed by the world. This preacher's sounding alarm tonight to people that are trying to find a seat at a table that Jesus flipped over 2,000 years ago. Matthew 8 and 8, Centurion, I say do and they do. Jesus, I'll believe it if you'll tell me. And Jesus said, the greatest faith I found in all of Israel was a believing hearer. Thank you for that rousing response. I want to tell somebody, the moment you lose your ability to hear, the moment we lose our ability to say, faith does not come by preaching. Faith does not come by exhortation. Faith is relevant to my ability and receptivity to hear. But when I hear, then I say. And when I hear, then I do. May be seated. If I don't hear obedience and see submission, I'll never see the mission. Chirological moments literally means a moment in time appointed of God. This is not the chronos, the ticking of the time clock at your job. But a chirological moment means that God stepped on the scene and he appointed a moment even to the standing still of the sun. I'm preaching to this church not because I'm preaching, but God has sent me to this desk to fulfill a responsibility to usher this congregation and conference not into a chronological movement of a conference, but to every mom and daddy and every preacher and every first lady. Tonight, God sent me to tell you I would take you into a tabernacle not built with hands, but you have to hear the preacher. May be seated. When the people complained, Numbers 11 displeased the Lord. The Bible says it consumed them on the outside of the camp. You got to be careful where you live in the camp. Um, I'm taking my time on purpose. It's more of a constraint than you know for me. There's way too many people that love the benefits of Pentecost but don't like the holiness of the tabernacle. It's all right, I'm going to preach tonight. There's way too many people up in the choir and the band that, that, that they, they like the manna and they, 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 they like the blessing, but they don't like that all-consuming fire that burns sin and iniquity out. I'm preaching to somebody. There is a call in Pentecost to come out from the edges of the camp and come out from your former godliness and get back to the voice. You got to be careful of voices that live on the edges. It's blowing my mind, Pastor Williams, where voices are coming at me in my young life. You got to be careful of the chorus that have possibility but lack position. You got to be careful of people that have potential but have no submission because they put an entire congregation in absolute fear of death 
because they could not hear. And because they could not hear, they, I'm, I'm just going to preach. I don't know what pastor's doing. The reason why you have confusion in your life is because your ears are full of this world and full of sin. And oh my God, create in me, create in me a clean God, wash my ears out. Wash my spirit out. Wash my motives out. Wash my ambition away. I want to get close. I want to hear from the proximity of his shoulder, Brother Williams tonight, I, I want to hear the still, small voice. I'm thankful for the booming voice. But the booming voice is a voice of rescue. But the small voice is a voice of relationship. Oh. I won't let YouTube kill my preacher. I won't let Instagram kill my preacher. I don't care how fine she is. She ain't going to kill my preacher. I don't care. Come on, come on, somebody. This world needs people that have been with Jesus. This world does not need more talent or ability. But this world needs a church that walks with him and talks with him and prays. Oh, my God, have mercy. It's already wanting to shake loose in this house tonight. But the dividends of ambition are costly. The dividends of ambition are costly. In Pentecost, you may be seated. We've got young preachers, and I'm not picking at them. I'm, I'm preaching to us. I want my sons to preach the gospel. That's what God calls them to do. But I don't want them to preach what culture tells them to preach. I want them to preach like my grandpappy preached. I want them to rear back and give me some sharecropping preaching. I want them to rear back and take me back to southern Louisiana and preach it line upon line and preach. Come on, you're not at Disneyland tonight, and this isn't a cotton candy booth. I've come with a big old Wagyu beef, bone in, homie, the meat of the world. We got young men that want to preach to Pentecost that won't pray for the lost. I'm just, don't kill my preacher. If you're anointed, you're going to fill this church with souls before your preacher says, it's time for you to go. I'm going to preach. Thank God for the covering the man of God. Where would I be tonight, Brother Jackson, had it not been for a man of God that prayed while I was rebellious? Where would we be tonight, Brother Williams, if they'd have kicked us out of their youth conferences and kicked us out of their youth groups because we were knuckleheads and hard-headed? Oh, I'm telling you, I'm only here tonight because my pastor learned how to pray all night. I'm only standing here today because when I fell, he didn't. I'm only here tonight because when I crumbled, he got concrete. I'm only here tonight because there was a man of God that had a grip on the horns of the... Don't kill the preacher. 
I'm going to tell you, God's voice only comes through the man of God, period. We don't have men of God. We have a man of God. God said, Samuel, Samuel said, Eli. See, in the heart of a submitted young man, the voice of God always sounds like pastor. I want somebody to catch that. God's been dealing with me. Not if my man of God doesn't know about it. I'm going to tell the apostolic church, the enemy is trying to wreck the body through the pulpit. But I've come to preach a not so popular message, but it's popular in heaven. Long live the preacher. Thank God for the man of God. Uh-huh. But now we have business models over Bible models. We have ambition over anointing. We got people telling other people what they're going to do for God before God's ever told them what they're going to do for him. I'm reminded, I want to encourage a young man of God, a young couple tonight. Habakkuk said, though the vision tarry, wait for it, for it shall surely come. You know what you got to learn how to pray for? In the name of anoint my ears I will not hear what this flesh oh you just need to leave and you just say no 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 I want to hear my pastor I want to hear the accountability of salvific eternal response touch my ears touch my hearing and don't kill my preacher he said I'll speak to them Matthew 13 in parables because in seeing, they do not see. But here's where it gets more relevant. In hearing, they do not hear. He said their heart is waxed. It's waxed shut. Till it can't even pulsate. There's no pulse. Their eyes are dull. I'm going to tell you, when your heart dies, your body dies. Of course. He said there will be many prophets. Righteous, man will de- righteous men will desire to see things. But they will not be able to see them. Because it says, and to hear those things which you hear and have not heard them. That tells me that in time, miracles, signs, and wonders are only coming to those that hear. 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 Prove it. I don't have time to get distracted. But blind Bartimaeus could not see. Blind Bartimaeus did not know what was going on. But he heard. He heard. He heard. The woman with the issue was locked up and bled out. But her ear, I'm preaching to somebody. You may be weak. You may be withheld. You may be strapped down. But I've come to tell you, if you can hear the preacher tonight, will be your night for a miracle. Not a famine of preaching. We have more of it than ever. I'm burdened again. God's bringing this back into my spirit. It's a famine of hearing. Brother Hoffer, I I love, I remember when HGR started. I know how it started. And I know the, the burden behind it, but I get, I get nervous when people go to the gym and listen to preaching while they're on the treadmill. I get nervous when we have preaching playing as background music and I'm beginning to see a shift in Pentecost where we're learning to make preaching 
the background noise and filter that would make a carnal heart say, I've still got a preacher, but I'm not responsible for my altar. Pentecost, I've come to preach. Preaching is not a hobby. It is an action that produces immediacy of an altar. I've come to tell somebody, don't do it while you're running. Don't do it while you're playing. But when you hear the word of God, you ought to stop everything that you're doing. You ought to tell everybody to shut up and say, I hear a prophet. I hear the voice of a man on the wall. When was the last time you got up changed from an altar? That's what I thought. When's the last time your eyes swole shut because the word of God drug a furrow through the fallow ground? How come our response to the word is not near as our, 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 our radical as our response to what our flesh feels? I wish I was as sensitive to preaching as I was to sin. Don't kill the preacher. I almost say it where we live today. How come people in traffic we don't know, Pastor, can get on our nerve and wreck our day, but we go to conferences where five men and more preach for hours, and all we can go home and talk about is the sound wasn't right, and he couldn't preach very good. I've come to tell somebody, it's an honor to hear preaching. It's an honor to hear the word. It's a privilege to stand undeserving and unworthy and hear, thus saith the Lord. I don't know where you're at today, but I want to hear from God. Uh, I don't know what your desires are, but I want my church to hear from God. I don't know where you're at in your Pentecost and in your apostolic journey, but I want to be moved deeply by the still, small voice. Uh, I don't need to be cheerleaded. All I need to hear is that old gravelly voice that's coming from atop a wall that is not my place of calling. But I know security is in my marriage and family because the one that's on the wall has an eye that's all seeing. The one that's on the wall has a heart that's been bruised and beat, but it's never been broken. When I hear that voice, I'm hearing the author and the finisher of my faith. When I hear that word, I'm hearing the undefeated, undeniable, almighty God that beside him there is no other. I've wondered how many times this year, sitting in services, looking into blank eyes, not just saints, but preachers, disconnected. Far away look. Having a form of godliness. But you can tell there ain't nothing in the tank left. Oh, I'm reaching to somebody that's closer to backsliding than your suit would ever tell anybody. I feel the old time conviction that God brought into my spirit. And I pray today, said, God, created me a clean. I'm not repenting in front. I'm just telling you. 
it got so heavy in that room, I fell to my knees beside that bed. Oh, wretched man, that I am preaching to somebody. When's the last time you fell on an altar and did not have the strength to pull yourself out because the Word of God had hammered away every rock of offense and every rock, amen, that was against you. I'm preaching to me. I'm preaching to preachers. I'm preaching to preachers' wives. I'm preaching to everybody. We have got to have a revival of the hearing. Is there anybody still moved by the word of God preached by their pastor? You know what Amos 8 says? He said there will not be a famine in the land of bread and water. But there will be a famine of the hearing of the word of the Lord. And I thought to myself, how could this happen? How could this be in this technological age where we have earbuds and <coughs> we're plugged in and you can listen anywhere. If you're like me, I wake up and I listen to music all day long. I'm not much of a musician and I sure can't sing very good, but I can out-worship the devil any day of the week. It's not by might, and it's not by, I'm when's the last time you were reminded that he lives in the praises of his people? I'm glad we can pray, and I'm preaching about prayer, but I'm going to just tell you, I want to hear enough of the word of God till I believe he lives in my marriage, and he lives with my You're clapping your hands like the preacher's dead. You're clapping. Come on, somebody. It's got to get back in your belly to where our response to the word of God is radical. What a strange prophecy that people would be hungry and they would search the world for the word of God, but they could not hear it. We're living in it here today. I don't have time to tell you about people I grew up with in Christian school. Church kids that learn how to laugh at the preacher. It's so sad to me today to hear 12 and 13 year olds mock ministry and preacher's kids dissect a preacher that their daddy taught them not to like. I'm preaching about the night the preacher died, and it's no holds barred tonight. I'm preaching in defense of your miracle. I'm preaching in defense of your ministry and your anointing. Whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are pure and of good report, think on them, dwell on them, eat them, live in it, for the word of God is in abundance. It's bread, it's water, it's a bridge. It's a cleft. It's a tower. So I sit in conferences, and our clothes cost more than our churches. Oh, that one got me today, too. We care more about how we look than how his house looks. Because the preacher's dead. 
What about as I'm raising fifth generation preacher's kids? And I watch them struggle through the monotony of hundreds of services in the same year. And I'm preaching to my family tonight. I get burdened when I watch seasoned saints and our children sit unmoved in church, untouched, even when we're preaching the next slot. And we sit there without care. And we sit there without even the involvement. And I realize there's a silence that's trying to creep into the apostolic church. Who's it after? The thief. The thief of what? The vice is trying to steal. It's trying to kill. It's trying to wreck and abolish everything that's sacred. I want to remind the church, you got to come out of the city. If you want to hear the voice on the hill, I'm I'm not trying to blend in. I'm trying to stand out as a lively stone. Think about it with me tonight. I got to hurry. I don't want to get teased too hard the rest of this week. Jesus responds to everybody in the Bible. He responds to elements. He responds to atmospheres. He responds to the ilk of life. He responds to Pilate, but he doesn't answer Herod. He even spoke with nothing and said, let there be. Talk about a Kairos moment. He talked with nothing even. He talked with demoniacs and murderers and abusers and prostitutes. And he talked to Lucifer and he spoke to infirmities and every manner of disease. And he spoke to living things above and beneath. Uh, the dragons, even in the beauties, uh, a man of the cosmos, he spoke freely and interacted with his heavenly grace. Uh, he talked to the women, woman at the well. He talked to people caught in the very hat. Uh, and there we see the love of the master uh, he, as he gets involved uh, in things that he was committed uh, to fixing. Maybe the reason... Pentecost is becoming silent as we are no longer willing to sacrifice for others' pain. You got to learn how to shout for revival for the whole mission church that had eight on Sunday and can't afford to pay attention. You got to learn how to reach. Come on, somebody. It's not all about SD. It's not all about Hilltop and our attempt to go next level. It's about the church, the body having revival. He talked with a thief on the cross. In the beginning was the word. He spoke from the beginning. He was the genesis. He was the first Adam. He's our redeemer. He's, he is our sure and present word. He is our redeeming word. He is our authoritative word. He is our judicial word and our legislative word. And he is our word of authority and power. For the Bible would declare that faith is nigh thee even in your mouth. But I've never seen somebody speak what they had not heard. Never before had Jesus not talked. As people that are saved by the preaching of the word, and my faith comes from the word, this is a travesty. Herod tries to get him to respond. I wish I could have been there, Pastor, when that backslider, in my own opinion, came and said, Jesus, please talk to me. I know I messed up and I used to be on the platform and 
But God, I'm kind of ready to come back. And, and he comes back and Jesus won't even look him in the eye. I don't know about you, but I don't want God silent in my life. I don't know about you, but I can't afford to come to church and not hear a thing. I don't know, you can sit there if you want to, but I'm so desperate tonight because I know without the word, I'm going to hell. Without the word, I, my marriage won't make it. Without the word, this is not a fairy tale. The word, the word, the word. He spoke to the tomb. He spoke to the storm. He spoke to every sin. I want to hear his word. I want to be convicted by his word. I want to be moved by his word. I want to be altered by his word. I want to be transformed. I want the metamorphosis of God's unadulterated word. For in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word. You can't separate God from his word. Your pastor's not just preaching. He is giving you life. It's not a message. It's a mandate. It's not a sermon. It's salvific. I'm preaching to the church. If you want a miracle, you ought to shout in the preaching. You ought to run in the preaching. If you want God to give your church revival, learn to love the word. If you can hear your pastor, you have hope tonight. I've come to remind you. Turn off the media. Turn off the worldview. Quit listening. Of course, I kind of like your governor a whole lot more than ours, but... He's a good guy, but he don't come to the hospital and pray for my kids. Oh, I, I know, I'm sorry. I'm in the, the golden state of Florida. Listen, I, I'm in a state where we don't have leadership like that, but we got a church, and God speaks to our church, and God says, if you walk by faith, you will walk on water. If you walk by faith, I will press it down. My God, I feel prophetic coming on me tonight. If you will hear my word, your hands will lay heavy. If you're a preacher, you ought to fall in love, not with your preaching, but your pastor's preaching. Don't fall in love with your ambition, but fall in love with the word. The rich young ruler in hell had the right idea, but bad timing. You know those phone calls when their kids are in juvenile hall? You got to go talk to them on the little phone? That's the wrong time to call pastor. Boy, everybody wants a preacher. When mama left the house and took your car, homie, how you doing? Oh, pastor, I need to pray. Well, where you been at the last six months? See, the preacher died a long time ago. I'm going to just preach to the church. My preacher is not on a baseball card. Because my preacher is not a commodity. He's a commitment. You ain't hearing what I'm preaching today. He's not a superstar. He's been called to preach above the... 
I want my boys to love preachers because preachers are my heroes and preachers are the greatest men that have ever walked the face of the earth. If your pastor preaches on holiness, you ought to love him to death. If your pastor stands in the gap, you ought to admonish him and love him and cherish my God, don't kill your pastor. Don't kill your preacher. But tell them whatever you say from God. I believe it. I'm out of time tonight. Preaching in Twin Falls. Had a dream. The assistant pastor, promising young couple, beautiful house in the suburbs. I had a dream three nights in a row. Told the pastor. The pastor had the dream. The young couple. In the dream, I went to their house, and they had a snake going through every window, a massive python. It was going in the garage and out the master suite and through the guest house, a beautiful house. And it came all the way out into the front yard, manicured, nice ride sitting in the driveway. And I saw two lumps in it, and I immediately realized it was their son and daughter. And in the dream, I heard them saying, God, Send the man of God. He came running down the street. I could tell he'd been woken from absolute sleep. He was not dressed or prepared for the extent, if you will, the ferociousness of the battle. But he ran without fear of life and limb. And he hopped upon the head of the biggest serpent I'd ever seen in my life. And he pulled a knife out of his belt. And he went to cut the head off. And the couple that had been praying, Pastor, save our kids, said, Pastor, is there any way you can save our kids and not kill the snake? The night the preacher died, Pentecost. We cannot protect snakes and perpetuate preachers in the... I want a pastor as long as he leaves my money alone and he leaves my marriage alone and he leaves, baby, if you want your kids to be saved, pastor, cut the head off. Pastor, kill it, kill it, kill it. It's going to hurt a little bit. It's going to make me a little bit embarrassed, but I want my kids to be saved. I want my house to be saved. Kill it, kill it, kill it. How come in Genesis it was a serpent? In Revelation it was a dragon. Because Pentecost is feeding her pets. Come on, somebody. I want a preacher, not a pet of sin. Pastor, you get in this pulpit. You can't offend me. You can't make me mad, Pastor, because you're my preacher. And you're going to give an account for my soul. Preach, preacher, instruct me, reprove me, rebuke me, but bless God, save me. My sheep know my voice. My sheep know my voice. Enemy knows the power of voice. Trying to close. Why are the Herodians and Herod mentioned? Just catch this part. The Herodians 
were people that were used in small-time politics by Rome. That's its own story. But the chilling factor with degrees that Antarctica has never been chilled with come into my spirit to understand that the Herodians were descendants of Esau. The Herodians' legacy was birthed upon 400 years of silence. Literally, their greatness and their prosperity came from their ability to be nomadic, to be silos, and they even gassed up their own gas lamps. Narcissism has to leave Pentecost in the name of Jesus. That's way out of the park, homie. I'm not picking at nobody. I don't care about who you are and how you look. Brethren, I give you Jesus. I want to see his face. I want to touch his hands. I want to see the crown. I want to touch the robe. I want to touch his side. I don't want to see me, and I don't want to see you. I want to see Jesus. (laughs) Don't kill the preacher. Now you can't build upon people because they're nomadic. They won't hear the preacher. I'm going to tell you, Pentecost, we're in a strange time. But there is a sound. And it's going to be a certain sound. And when you hear that sound, you ought to get a white-knuckled grip on that sound. What is it? It's old-time Pentecost. Separation within and without. It's totality of apostolic doctrine. We're not wavering, nor are we looking to the world or Egypt for her strength. But I look to the hills from which cometh my help. Egypt has her chariots, but I've got a God that's triumphant. I've got a preacher that will feed me the eternal words of God's friend. Here we are. How come people want a preacher but not a pastor? How come nowadays if, if you even called yourself, you can go operate? I had a guy tell me the other day, he's like, well, the pastor's not happy with me, but I still respect him. Respect does not equivocate submission. Come on, bro, your preacher's dead. Come on, preacher, your preacher's dead. I respect grizzly bears, but I don't have lunch with them. I'm trying to preach with somebody. Submission is above respect. Submission. Come on, somebody. I want to hear. I want to hear it till it gets in my heart and it gets in my belly. It's crazy because Herodias hated John, think about it. Herodias divorced her nephew's dad, married her nephew, divorced him, Antipas. You guys know this story. Archelaus divorces her other nephew and marries her other nephew. And then the preacher shows up and she hates him. She should have loved him. She should have thanked 
her lucky stars that Jesus, I don't care how bad you've been. I don't care how dark the night. I don't care how deep the sin. I'm going to send the voice. I'm going to send a preacher. And if you, my God, I'm preaching to somebody. It's not over and you're not finished. But swab your ears out. Clean it out. And hear ye the word. But she said, no, I wonder if this is the last message somebody's going to ever hear tonight. <laughs> Young man, I know you're 16, but I wonder if this is your last service. Because you can't live with a preacher on lockdown, Herod. Well, I'll just put him in jail because I like him. And Herodias began to push as the enemy's pushing tonight in closing. You don't have to listen to him. You don't have to do all of that. You don't have to be faithful. You got to be careful of people that start pushing on you about your man of God. Let me tell you about people that have their pastor in the dungeon under their ambition. You never hear the blade that cut off John the Baptist's head. Because you know why? You're watching Herodias' daughter dance provocatively before you. Because you're a preacher and you're a leader and you're on the platform and you're in the band and you're in the choir and you, you know. Maybe you're even the pastor. But Herod was trapped like some of us tonight. You can play softly, Brother Kenai. Herod was trapped with good intentions and bad ambition. His own lust. The problem is that we don't realize in Pentecost is that we don't just kill ourselves when we kill the preacher. In fact, it was not the preacher that was in danger that night. It was Herod. He killed the only man that had ever been honest with him. He killed the only one that stopped by his house purely for his benefit. He killed the only man that spoke truth and removed policies and, and the actions of politics. And that voice spoke to him. John died silently in the depths of a palace, buried deep within a dark dungeon as Pentecost played her music. They never heard as they were clapping their hands in the choir and hitting Snapchat and the altar the blade that whisked its way through with a slice of strengthened tempered steel and took away the ability of the voice. Herod didn't hear anything just like we don't hear anything. Some of us tonight think that we're okay. Some of us think tonight that our ability is okay to take the place of our anointing and that, that our permission would take over our prayer and power. Every time we sit in church unmoved, the preacher's dying. Every time we scroll our way to websites, 
Take away our chastity and virtue. We're killing the preacher. Every time we gossip and come to another conference and patty cake for Jesus, the preacher is dying as we all stand. Well, preacher, what about the people that make it home? I've seen them make it home, but they're never the same. But the Cornelius Williams, they, they make it home and they pray through, but they're a shell of what they could have been. I see tonight in the spirit the burn and gouge eyes of Samson that found nothing good in Israel. I see in my mind's eye tonight the potential of Pentecost in this room, but also the ability to hide sin and rebellion. I'd rather learn the ways of a desert than have the platforms of Pentecost that lead me to the dungeons of Egypt. Moses, you better not hate your pastor in your desert. David, you better not hate your heart because I'm building a preacher in you and I'm teaching you how to hear the voice of me and not the voice of them that say Saul has killed his thousands. How come we're so quick to say that was the message of the conference and we never shed a tear and we never prayed and we never repented? My God, I'm convicted that I can cast the check of Pentecost and not live it. I'm preaching to me tonight. How can I get up here and grandstand and paint a facade when the preacher has died in my life? I really am trying to close. Podcasts do not take the place of your pastor's voice. Come on, somebody. Don't you have friends that have podcasts? I do. And they're pretty good. But they're not as good as your pastor's preaching. Tell them I said it. I'll write it. I'll, come on. There's a spirit in Pentecost that wants some saints to think your church isn't good enough and your choir's not good enough and your preach, come on somebody, all you need to do is learn how to pump up your preacher, show up early, shout harder, and tell them, do you want your preacher to preach? You gotta preach with them. Do you want your preacher to give you a miracle? You gotta shout with it. Well, I like him. He's an influencer. He's not my pastor. He's trending, but he's not tithing. That's what I'm talking about. You need to get rid of Dave Ramsey's envelopes and get you a tithing offering envelope, homie. You know why? I'm not going to let somebody that don't believe this one God message, I'm not going to listen to somebody that had been baptized in the only saving name of Jesus. I'm not going to let somebody that don't believe in tithe teach me how to have finances. I don't want that. I want Pentecost. You want fire. 
You want financial advice? Go talk to your pastor. I wish I was in a preaching church. You want to have fiscal ability? You want to learn how to be an investor? Seek ye first. Seek ye first. Seek ye first. The kingdom. But don't kill my preacher. wonder if all the pastors in this house could join me on this platform. Just stand out here in front. Pastor, come. If you're a full-time pastor, I want you to come. Pastor, you pastor the church. I have to say to you, you're the senior pastor. We got the janitor pastor, the sweeping pastor, the weeping pastor. My God. Come on, man. Oh, I'm glad my elder is here today. Oh, oh. They're still ordered, elder. Don't you worry. Uh-huh. Do a miracle. And they would not open their mouth. Jesus, I'm back. I still remember the song. I still know my part. I can still play. I can still do the shout beat. And Jesus said, there's something I need to tell you. Herod, you're the only man in the Bible. You're the only thing that, I've never, that I could not talk to in all of eternity. One thing, again, he spoke to elements. He spoke to the dirt. He spoke to saliva as he rubbed it in the eyes of the blind. He spoke to barrenness and brokenness and uncleanliness. He spoke to tombs and walls and mountains and barricades. He spoke to everything. But you better hear me tonight. The reason why Jesus couldn't talk to Herod was because Herod killed the voice of his pastor. I'll still be able to pray, oh no you won't. I'll still be anointed, oh no you won't. I'll still be in ministry, oh no you won't. God will not violate his order and he will not, I'm telling you, I don't care if your pastor's a soul, God will not go around him. God will not remove him, but he will make you laugh. If you have a calling on your life, I want you to come to this altar. I'm speaking to people with a conscience tonight that's in your hands. You know, your conscience is like them, old, them little coat hangers, Pastor. You ever been them little metal coat hangers? Did you ever get it back the same way? Nope. I've seen a lot of Pentecost try to do some quick tweaking. But their spirit's bent because the preacher died. Some of us are standing here tonight. Pastors, you just spread across right over there. We're going to pray. Some of us are standing here tonight and we don't even know how close we are to being completely lost. Preacher, why are you preaching like this on the first night? Because when we get out of this altar tonight, we are going to step into the portals of the heavenly in a chirological moment that the gates of hell cannot prevail against. But I'm not interested in shouting you into hell tonight. I said, I'm not interested in shouting you into hell tonight. 
I'm interested in you learning how to pray until something opens in the spirit realm. You're in the bands, you're in leadership, you're in the choir, you're in the pulpit. You're a young preacher, you're an evangelist. You're a young married, you're a preacher's kid. You're in the sound booth, you're in the media department. But there's a silence in your life. Preacher, I can't feel anything, I know. Because you can't hear anything. Every head is bowed and we begin to pray. I'm hearing this little phrase haunt me. Nobody understands how I feel. And somehow it's a badge of honor, honey. God's not the author of confusion. And just because nobody gets how you feel does not give you permission to leave your home and your family and your church and your past. You know, all these riots and protests over, they're not about race and body and choice. It's full of people that can't hear God, and so they're screaming. You know what hell's going to be full of? A lot of noise, but not one voice. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. I'm going to tell you, you won't be able to talk in hell, but you sure will be able to hear. I admonish you to hear while there is yet time. Please don't kill the preacher. Somebody's praying. Don't shut the voice of your pastor down right now. Men of God, I want you to step to the front of this platform and begin to stretch your hands over the people and begin to pray. I want you to pray out loud until people hear your voice. Come on, if I were you, I'd be running to the altar and wailing. He's more than your dad. He's more than your grandpa. He's more than your uncle. He's more than your pastor. He's the pre Don't kill the preacher. Come on, men of God. Come on, men of God. Come on, lift your hands and pray. <laughs> there it is. Come on. I'm going to live for God. Come on, Daniel. I'm going to keep a preacher. I may be going to school in Babylon. My house may be a wreck, but I'm going to pray. Come on. Don't kill the preacher because you're mad at pastor. Don't kill the preacher because you're mad at They're going to sing softly. Men of God, help me work through this crowd. Let the sound of prayer, come on, you ought to pray like you've never prayed. It's hard to pray because it's hard to hear, I know. I can't pray without a distraction. Turn the shout beat off. When's the last time the church prayed? It's the effectual, fervent prayers of a righteous man and woman. You want to avail, pray. Come on, there needs to be real repentance on a Thursday night. There it is. Pray it. Pray it. It's not like you, Jesus. Come on, some of you are looking at me. It's obvious. You don't even know how to have church anymore. We sit on platforms and our moms and dads are in ministry, but we're cold. We don't even know how to pray. Somebody needs to pray right now. I'm desperately calling 
upon this great house. Pray. There it is. It's coming in this house. Come on, young preacher. I won't let nobody kill my preacher. I'm not letting nobody silence the voice of my man of God. Because if I kill my pastor, Jesus can't talk to me. Empty me. Empty me. Not like you. No, Jesus.